Hello, Queerios. This is another episode of Mask for Mask. All right, all right, all right, all right. Chris and I are so excited about this episode. We have your gay press, Montucky Woodsnack, also known as... Molly Woodstock. Yes, Molly. <laughs> so we're so excited to have them on this week's episode of mm-hmm. Mask for Mask. We're going to be talking a little bit about gender and identity, and it's just an awesome conversation, and I just wish I lived in Portland, and you will too, after yeah. you're listening. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Super confident I'm going to move, so... Yeah, so let's just jump in with Molly, and you'll see why we love them so much. Enjoy, everyone. Well, Molly, thank you so much for joining uh, our podcast. Chris and I have been so excited to have you on. Mm -hmm. Um, To get started, will you introduce yourselves to our Queerios? Absolutely. So, my name is Molly Woodstock. I'm a gender educator and audio producer and journalist based in Portland, Oregon. I make a podcast called Gender Reveal. Which, which we love. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. It's so Thanks. good. Thank you. Yeah, we interview different uh, trans and non-binary folks with an emphasis on Black, Indigenous, and folks of color. I also have a consulting company with my friend Cassius called Sylveon Consulting, which is an equity consulting company with a focus on trans topics, but it's not exclusive to trans topics. So we're basically going to companies and individuals and organizations and telling them how to be less shitty to trans people and also sometimes other people. <laughs> yeah. Love, <laughs> you know, that. just doing the most important work. Thank you so much. Yeah. So that's most of what I do. And I'm also uh, a journalist sometimes. So I work with like the city of Portland to make their visitor's guide, stuff like that. Going into the full dive of Molly Woodstock and Gender Reveal, I, uh, like I said, I got into your articles and you as a journalist, and I was kind of curious. I saw that you got your BFA in documentary filming, um, but the journalism side, I didn't see much of. So did you get into journalism in school or... Uh, like what led you to uh, deciding on journalism? Totally. So a couple of related answers to that question. One is that I see documentary filmmaking as a form of journalism. Like it's just multimedia journalism. Uh, It's journalism using pictures and words and sound. And so what I do now is just break all of those components out into their separate parts. So I do print journalism. I do digital journalism. uh, I don't do as much photography anymore, but I did photography for a long time. I'm obviously doing audio journalism uh, via the podcast. And so it's really just using all of the tools that I learned in documentary film school and just splitting them up because running all of those systems at the same time uh, is really expensive and really complicated, especially when you're one person, Um, (laughs) as you know, trying to make a podcast. Uh, But also when I was in school, I did take journalism courses in college and I did think about minoring in journalism and ultimately decided to get the hell out of Orange County, California as fast as possible instead. Um, but I did take classes. And then as soon as I was out of college, I started working at Portland Monthly Magazine. And so it was like a very immediate 
switch. And for a few years, ever that knew me was like, when is your next film coming out? And I'm like, oh, I'm never making film again <laughs> because <laughs> this is very expensive and you can yeah. take so long. Like you can take years to make one film that then nine people watch. Uh, whereas there are other mediums that go much faster on a much smaller budget and are much more readily consumed. Yeah, and that was what I loved because your writing falls right in line with what I love to read. And so I was super curious to know um, if uh, journalism and the storytelling you do, if that fell in line with your uh, like figuring out your identity and, and, and that sort of journey that you were on, if those kind of coincided or if you felt as though you uh, like you just kind of discovered more as you were studying uh, storytelling um, and kind of how those things play, because I see a lot of it in the articles you wrote. And then I just read one article where you were saying how right when you decided to come out, that was when you kind of you I think you quote said you were going to go like all in and yes. you started a podcast and a reveal. Yes. And so I was super curious to know if like those things went hand in hand or or what came first and what was the result of the of the second if that was the case yeah that's a really interesting question i think that's something that i really love about journalism is that it gives you a excuse that i think you maybe don't have anywhere else in life where you get to go to experts and whatever the thing is that you're curious about and demand that they answer all your questions <laughs> and they yeah. usually say yes and so whenever i've been really interested in a topic throughout my career i've used journalism as a lens to ask people questions about it and get access to people that i wouldn't otherwise get access to and then share those findings with lots of other people and so like I'm in community with so many really incredible trans people, uh, trans makers, trans artists, trans activists, who I never, ever, ever would have had an excuse to talk to if I didn't make a podcast about gender, because it's generally not appropriate in your everyday life to be like, oh, in terms of gender, how do you identify and tell me all of your deep, dark like, right. yeah. about it. like yeah. I'm very clear that the questions I ask on my podcast are actually not appropriate to ask trans people and like, right. consenting to be on your channel podcast. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I did use uh, journalism as a way to explore uh, gender. And I definitely started writing more about queer and trans topics and assigning other people to write more about trans topics before I came out as trans. Like there was some sort of non-binary um, landmark event that happened in Portland in 2016, right before I came out. And I was like very focused on getting that covered for some reason. Who could say why? Yeah, right. okay. <laughs> it was, like, obviously a trial balloon for everyone in my life because I would tell them this profile I was writing on this non-binary person and then see how they reacted. And that gave me like a way to see in some haphazard way, like how they might react when I came out. So they're definitely related. It's incredible. And, and so, you know, you, you're queer and trans and you're biracial and you're living in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and, you know, our podcast is based out of Salt Lake and a lot of our listeners have reached out from more rural areas of the country and also the globe. Um, and so I'm curious about your experience in Oregon 
uh, for those reasons. And, and more specifically, like if there's anything that like listeners could like model after you or like, or how they could like kind of get started in their gender journey or, or resources that they could get started with. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself to be incredibly lucky that I live in a place with more visible queer and trans people than almost anywhere I've ever been. Although someone was saying to me the other day that part of that is because I only know how to clock trans people. <laughs> right. And like, you know, people um, kind of stick together to what you know in some ways. Yeah. Right? right. And like I was traveling and I was like, I haven't seen any queer people. I've only saw two queer people and they both ended up being from Portland and they're like, no, that's because you're So uh, yeah, that's limitation. But I, I do know that Portland has a reputation beyond what I talk about. Like broadly, Portland has a reputation of having a lot of trans people and being like relatively friendly to trans people, especially white trans people. Um, and so I am very lucky that I live in a space that has so many trans people and queer people all the time. An example that I give often is that one time I went to three consecutive grocery stores and the cashier at all three grocery stores was trans. (laughs) Just completely randomly. And so just people are everywhere. And so most people don't have access to that. Um, People don't necessarily have safety that I experience, even other trans people, but especially um, people that live in Portland. I would argue who are trans have somewhat more safety than certain other places to live. And so one of the purposes of creating gender reveal and the community around gender reveal is to create spaces for people who don't have access to that community in real life for one reason or another. And so whether that's because there's no one else in your town who's out as trans or because it's not safe for you to reach out to those people or because you have like social anxiety that's preventing you from reaching out to those people, uh, gender reveal the podcast is a way for people to listen to dozens and dozens and dozens of different trans people share their experience in a really intimate way and then we also have a slack community at bit.ly slash gender slack too where there's roughly 700 people the majority of whom are trans sharing their experiences with each other and creating this network where they can ask each other questions and show each other support and then also we have you know social media communities and stuff like that and so I can't say that everyone should do what I did, which is, you know, live in a city with a ton of trans <laughs> move people. Move like, to Portland. My house yeah. Is, yeah, everyone yeah. moved to Portland. But, like, I live with five non-binary people and, like, an intersex cat, you know? Like, like, not everyone gets to do that, but everyone can hopefully use resources that are being created to build the community in whatever capacity is more possible for you. Right. Yeah, one thing that I love about your podcast that you say is if anyone has a question or hears an argument regarding uh, being queer or uh, gender identification to submit it to gender reveal. And then what I love you say, what I love what you say is that you say, I'll fight for you on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I always was very taken aback by that statement because I think it's one thing to be heard by someone who relates to you on whatever level that is, but I also think it's more powerful when someone says they're going to fight for you, um, which is very scary uh, fighting in, in general, of course, and so I really was uh, impressed by that, The mo- one of the 
most impressive things as I've heard on a podcast before, but that was super awesome. Um, especially for those who live, our fans and listeners who listen in the more rural areas. I think that that's a big fear that we read is that they're nervous, uh, to talk about it or to be themselves or express themselves. Um, do you, if someone isn't going to start a podcast or be able to write articles, do you have like a suggestion on where they can begin their either expression or exploration that or just um yeah like of, of their embracing their community or finding people within their community yeah I mean as far as embracing or finding community I think that the internet is a very good place <laughs> yeah. to start um you know there's obviously all sorts of online communities whether that's on Twitter Instagram the Slack, other Slacks that aren't mine, uh, Facebook groups, if you're still on Facebook.com. Uh, Discord is really big in some worlds. Uh, TikTok, honestly, is a great place for yeah, just watching ta- trans teens thrive. <laughs> yeah, the um, compilation so videos are, yes. are great. <laughs> yeah, so all that can exist. Um, if people can make community in real life, I would encourage them to do that. I get questions all the time, even in Portland, from people who are like, how do I meet more queer and trans people in Portland? And I have this whole slide that I made, and I don't think that it's necessarily what people expect me to say. My number one advice is always Tinder, even if it's just for friends. Like, that's where I've made the majority of my best friends are people that I met on dating sites. And either we dated for a little while and then we're friends, or we never dated and we're just friends. Uh, And like that, honestly, like I think is a really good way to find it people but outside of that just looking for things that you are interested in and then you know trying to clock other people that look like they also might be interested in those things or might they might relate to you you know like I was at a rock climbing gym yesterday and there were all sorts of trans folks there and queer folks there uh, that I could have tried to chat up if I wanted to Um, I go to like coffee shops and bakeries that are full of queer people um i go to shows i go to bars that i know are like full of queer and trans people and all of those places are spaces that i could be trying to network i meet a friend and i meet their friends and i meet their friends friends you know i build community in that way uh and pretty soon it goes from being like oh i don't know any queer people to like oh i know every queer person in this entire city (laughs) and so (laughs) i I think just even reaching out and making one or two connections can open up like a whole world and then i also think that the more community you have the easier it is to honestly be yourself and explore your identity because I definitely, the more queer friends I had, the more confidence and queerness I was and the more trans friends I had, the more confidence in my transness I was and the more friends of color I had, the more confidence I had in my like non-whiteness. Uh, and so I think that, yeah, building that community so that you can see yourself reflected and aren't constantly othered is really, really important. I just spent a whole week like almost exclusively talking to straight people and at the end of the week, I'm like, who am I? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in Utah, we maybe have those existential crises like quite often. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because like when I'm talking in my house or with my community, I feel really grounded and really myself. And then when I'm in a place where I'm like constantly othered, it makes me question myself a lot more. I'm like, oh, am I weird? Am I boring? Are my thoughts wrong? And it's like, no, this just isn't my space. That's okay. 
Yeah, mm, that's a, yeah. I was gonna say that's a, a really beautiful perspective on it. Yeah. Um, question: As we're talking about community, uh, you know, the LGBTQ plus community as a whole, uh, you know, we have plenty of room to improve and grow a little bit. And so, I'm just curious from your experience, like, how might the LGBTQ plus community be more um, inclusive around gender or more inviting for folks? Uh, you know kind of on this journey of discovery and, and, and their identity? I mean, I don't know that there's one answer for every community within the broader LGBTQ plus community, because I think that different subgroups sort of have their own issues, quite frankly. Um, like there are yeah. trans people who are not always super inclusive of all other trans people. There are trans men and women who aren't super inclusive of non-binary people. There are cis gay and lesbians who aren't super inclusive to trans people. And I think there are ways for all those different communities to approach different issues. I mean, for that matter, like there are communities that are for queer, it's not explicitly stated, but you look at them and it is queer, cis women, queer, non-binary people that are assigned female at birth and uh, trans men. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) what? This is all queer people and there's a lot of trans people here but it still feels transphobic (laughs) because like you're still Mm -hmm. sorting people based on genitals um and so i just think that all of us can be looking around also obviously like queer and trans communities probably have a lot of racism in them still and a lot of ableism in them still and so i think something that everyone can do is look in their communities and think who's not here and why so if i'm only friends who are if I'm only friends with people who are assigned male at birth and I'm assigned male at birth, like, what does that mean? If I am only friends with white people, what does that mean? Um, and I'm not suggesting that people go out and make one friend of color or make one a member of a person in order to like make themselves look better. I just want people <laughs> to think like, what messages am I sending out? And like, well, why aren't these people in my communities? And like, how could I create spaces in which people feel welcome or like, who am I inviting when I'm going out to brunch? You know, like, is it possible that I know a bunch of different people, but when I go out to brunch, I only invite people that look like me. And so I just, I think that's something that everyone could do that you can sort of generalize is just try to really pay attention to who you're including. Um, and who is being implicitly excluded. Wow, I never thought about it like that. Yeah, that's a really good way of thinking and also challenging your own like bias and perspective. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so a question, you mentioned that you're an educator um, and I'd love to get, you know, maybe folks are like, oh, you know, I, I don't know someone who's non-binary. I haven't had the opportunity to ask them, you know, what is gender identity versus gender expression versus sexual orientation versus like anatomical sex? Like, are you comfortable with kind of sharing how those are connected, if at all, or, or the definitions? Yeah. So the first question and the way that I usually order when I'm giving this as a workshop that people pay me to give is that uh, I talk about the difference between sex and gender. So sex is biological, it's observable, it is a physical, it's a combination of internal and external genitalia, chromosomes, hormones, anything that we think of as indicating whether a physical human body has 
like biological characteristics that would make us think they're male or biological characteristics that would make us think they're female. That's sex. And it is important to remember that we are about to talk about how gender can be a spectrum. So biological sex can also be a spectrum because uh, as many as 2% of folks are born with bodies that aren't clearly delineated as male or female. They might have XXY chromosomes. They might have a vagina, but also internal testes. So these folks are intersex folks. And we just need to remember that even outside of intersex folks, like all of us have slightly different bodies. We have slightly different genitals. We have slightly different like amounts of uh, hormones not all of us actually know what our chromosomes are. We just assume, but sometimes people get sequenced and we actually have different chromosomes than we think that we do. So biological sex also is spectrum, but gender is even more nebulous because it's not physically observable. It is just like an internal sense based on social and cultural constructs of what it means to be male and female. And that sentence means almost nothing (laughs) because uh, gender is like, a really, really nebulous concept and one that changes really dramatically throughout time and space. So what it means to be male or female will look really different in like 2020 San Francisco versus 2020 Japan versus 1820 Japan, you know, and so throughout time and space, gender can look really different. And we have this Western colonialist concept of gender always being mapped to sex. And so if you are a person with a penis, you're always a man. And if you're a person with a vagina, you're always a woman. And those are the only two possible outcomes. But if you look at other cultures throughout time and space, there is a rich history of uh, cultures with three genders, four genders, more genders than that. Um, Within the United States, there are like uh, 570 three or six uh, federally recognized indigenous tribes and then many more that aren't federally recognized. And all of those tribal nations have different concepts of gender. And so it's important to remember that like non-binary identity and trans identity is not a new concept. It might be new to you, but it has existed throughout the world uh, for thousands of years. So it has always existed and will always continue to exist. And so yeah, broadly, the difference between sex and gender is sex is observable based on body characteristics. Gender is this really amorphous thing based on just our cultural concepts of what gender right. is. So it recurses upon itself and there's not real any real definition. Uh, gender presentation is literally how you're presenting yourself to the world. And gender presentation might not match up with gender identity, like an internal felt of gen- sense of gender for a number of reasons. One of them can be safety. Like maybe I don't feel safe always presenting uh, as my actual gender. It can be as simple as I can't afford to revamp my entire wardrobe or I'm not sure how to present this other way or uh, I don't know how to present this way without physically transitioning in a certain way that's not accessible to me. or that, you know, there's many, many reasons why people's gender identity and gender presentation might not always match. And also people's, um, so not every man and not every woman dresses the same way. Like they're very feminine men and they're very masculine men and they're both men, but those two people might present differently. Uh, and so all that is to say is like, whether I am wearing uh, a tux or a ball gown or overalls or nothing, like my gender identity is always the same, but my gender presentation can be really different based on that like clothing or the way that I'm presenting myself. So the point of that is that we can't assume people's right. gender based on their gender oh, presentation absolutely. because those don't line up. Right. <laughs> and then the 
the ending is sexual orientation. Uh, I have heard that some cis people think that all trans people are straight, which is very funny to me because I know hundreds and hundreds of trans people and I know like two straight yeah. ones. Uh, so like cis people, trans people can be straight, they can be gay, they can be bisexual, they can be asexual, they can be any other um, sexual orientation. Um, if a cis if a cis man is attracted to a trans woman, like that still makes him straight because it is a man who is being attracted to a woman. If a trans woman is attracted to other women, that makes her gay or lesbian. Uh, and so gender, sexual orientation works the same way within that as it does for cis people. Non-binary people, the words straight and gay don't really apply because like what does it mean to be a straight non-binary person? Um, I do identify as a gay non-binary person because I'm primarily attracted to other non-binary people, but there are non-binary people who use gay to mean that they're attracted to men. There's non-binary people who use gay to mean they're attracted to women. There's non-binary people who use gay to mean that anyone who is attracted to them is gay, which is very funny to me. So really sexual orientation um, relates to gender in that like we often use the word straight and gay to indicate the genders of people that we're attracted to in relation to our own gender. But being trans doesn't mean that you are any particular sexual orientation. Did I answer all of your questions? Yeah. 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 Really did, well too. I just like, learned applause, some new. Like, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. And if anyone thank you. wants to hire me to give them this information professionally, they can go to sylveon.co, S-Y-L-V-E-O-N.co. And this is my whole job yeah. and people can pay yes. me for it. And again, like, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, um, it's it's uh, it's always awesome to hear kind of the spectrum of it all, um, and, and I think yeah, you're absolutely right. Some people, it's a new concept to them, but it's not a new concept throughout history. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you segue to a perfect what I wanted to ask you about. So, um, you're known as Molly Woodstock, um, <laughs> famous podcaster, um, but on Twitter, you're Montucky Woodsnack. First of all, love the name. I'm Thank just you gonna. So much. I mean. President Molly Montucky Woodstock, yeah, I'm here press. for. Yeah, you're gay prez. Huge Thank fan. Writing you. Um, one of your latest tweets was talking about Tinder, which I, uh, I don't. You don't have to say if you're single or not right now, but I am curious to know when it comes to dating. Um, you know, and this might be just specific to your where you're living or just in general, but are there factors in, or like big factors that you uh, like look for when you explore in the dating world? Like, are there immediate red flags you you notice or that you look out for for yourself, like personally? Yeah, that's so funny because I was talking about that with someone the other day. Um, I'm also fine sharing that. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I have a partner. I'm dating another person. Uh I sometimes go on casual dates with other people that aren't those two people. Um, the My partner is also non-binary. Uh, and then the other person I date is a cis woman. I generally date other non-binary people, but sometimes venture out to other genders. So when I'm on a dating app, for example, something that I look out for is people using really binary language. Uh, so if they say like, I'm interested in guys and girls, or if they're like, I'm just a gal looking for a lady, like those obviously aren't people who 
I would click with because they're not even acknowledging that my gender identity exists when I'm on dating apps. Like some of the very first things I say is like, not a girl, they, them. And so your podcast is called mask for mask. So like something that I say on dating apps is actually like, uh, they for they T for T is a thing that's like transfer trans, but they for they is something that I didn't realize I coined, but people are telling me that I coined. Yes. Um, I'll tell everyone that. (laughs) Thank you. So yeah. So, uh, like I generally date they for they, and I will put that in my dating profiles and I don't date anyone that doesn't immediately, uh, have a, a strong, uh, knowledge of what they, them pronouns are, what non-binary means. I personally tend to not date people that identify as lesbians because I am not a woman and that feels dysphoric to me. Even if they're like, my lesbianism includes non-binary people. I'm like, that's very cool for you, but it feels dysphoric for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, generally I'm just trying to make sure that people are going to see me for the person that I am. Because if I'm dating someone who is attracted to me, but is thinking of me as a woman and is uh, clearly having a hard time understanding my reality, that is not something I'm interested in. And one of the reasons why my partner and I clicked really well is that we have a very, very, very similar gender. And we had never dated someone that had our exact gender before. And so we were always trying to explain ourselves to our partners. And there's something like really, really exhausting that you don't realize is exhausting until you date someone where you don't have to ever do that explaining to what our lived realities are like. Uh, And it really just opens up a lot of possibility within our relationship that we didn't have before because we had to spend so much time uh, being defensive and like really trying to justify our own existences. And like, honestly, in sex as well, like having sex as a trans person can be really difficult only insofar as like there's a lot of things that can cause dysphoria um, or there's a lot of things that could be really affirming that no one had ever thought about before other than other trans people. So like, yeah, it's in general, I tend to just lean on with people who have really similar experiences to mine. But obviously like I'm also dating a cis person uh, because she has like shown a lot of competency and understanding around my gender. And I don't feel like she sees me as a woman. I feel like she sees me as my actual gender. And like, that's important to me. So kind of, you know, continuing on this dating, uh, this dating topic, Chris and I like to place a few games with our guests, uh, and one of them (laughs) is deal breakers. So we're going to ask a few like deal breakers and you just let us know, like, if I'm considering dating this person, like, is this a deal breaker (laughs) or not? (laughs) Does that sound okay? (laughs) Okay. So Chris will get us started. Okay. So my first deal breaker scenario is they invented their own pronouns for all genders, like completely new. (laughs) I mean, they created like a new pronoun for men and women and they're using them for other people. All of it. Yeah, Uh I mean, that's not respectful of people's pronouns. So that's a deal breaker for me because that person obviously doesn't know how to show respect (laughs) to people's genders. Well, actually, no, there's like so many scenarios we go into it, but... I had to know because you mentioned that in one of the episodes with Cyrus Dunham uh, about how uh, people have been trying to make pronouns um, 
and they've never stuck and and this new they them is the most popular the dictionary and everything and and i just love the idea of someone had just done their own thing and went rogue and just made up a whole new uh set so i love that if someone uses neo pronouns for themselves like if someone uses like am air pronouns for themselves like that's extremely fine and of course i would support it but if someone was telling other people what their pronouns should be Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's hard, hard pass yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this deal breaker. They only listen to one song from Nickelback on repeat all day. Like they incorporate it into like every moment. They're in the shower. It's Nickelback. They're like, and it's not like an album. It's just one song. Yeah, that's deeply upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's a deal breaker. Yes. Okay. Oh, man. Love that. Okay. Uh, my next one is they are pretty confident that the earth is not flat. <laughs> oh, my God. So they could be persuaded. So they could be persuaded. Honestly, that sounds yeah. like my current partner, so I guess I have to say that. <laughs> You're like, out of respect for that. But yeah. I just like really into conspiracy theories and my role is to just like quietly shut them all down. Yeah, you're just like, okay, all right, that's amazing. So I like, can just see that first could be, date. It could yeah. not be, yeah. That's so, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, me. like, if they're like, I'm pretty sure the earth is not flat, and I'm like, well, here's hundreds of pieces of evidence. No, yeah, okay, I think everyone's going, all right, fine, <laughs> Yeah, they were like, I was 80% confident <laughs> when this day started, but now I'm like 85% confident. Like, we're getting there. We're getting somewhere. So not a complete deal breaker. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, okay, I got one. Yeah. Yes. All right, so the last deal breaker. So they refuse to water their 50 plus houseplants with anything except super expensive mineral water. Oh, so they're spending hundreds of dollars a month on expensive <laughs> plant care. <laughs> no, I would lose my mind. So something that I'm really sensitive to uh, as a trans person is how many trans people don't have access to like housing, healthcare, education, employment. Like how we're all yeah. passing the same $20 around and like how it's yes. this huge financial need. Like I run a biannual grant program through Gender Reveal where we give out like $5,000 a year and reading the That's grant amazing. thank you. Reading the grant applications is really difficult because every single one of those people deserves money and a lot of them are not like I need a grant for like fancy equipment or some huge show. They're saying I need money so that I can pay my rent. I need money so that I can pay my medical bills. I need money so I can support my family uh, while also like making this art and making this work. And so when I see people like wasting money really frivolously, uh, I get really extra sensitive (laughs) about it because I'm just like, do you know how much good that could do? Like what if I gave it to like a trans person? And so, yeah, if someone was spending all of their money on fucking bottled water, (laughs) that comes out of the tap. Let's yeah, you're just like, the there's, yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, Molly, thank you so much for hopping on with us. We we really appreciate your time and your willingness to share your experience with us and help educate. So thank you so yeah, much. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. And just the last plug, everyone go listen to Gender Reveal. It's, it's like so incredible. Thank you yeah. so much. I've learned so much. I can't wait for more. Um... And I and I love the uh, the business that you're doing with your friend. I think that is a tremendous effort, and I hope that I can just hire you for my job Yay. and my coworkers. 
think. Oh goodness, do they need it? <laughs> it's hard because the more places need it, the harder it is to convince them to hire me. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it does. Care. Anyway, but yeah, thank you so much for the plug. Yeah, you can find the interview wherever you find podcasts, and then now my main source of income is a Patreon. So if people want to throw a dollar at Transmedia, they can go to Patreon.com/gender because that handle wasn't taken for some reason. Amazing. <laughs> That's awesome for you. you. Cool. Well, Molly, again, thank you so much and uh, have a thank great day. You too. Okay, aren't they so amazing? Yeah. Isn't Molly incredible? Yeah. Like, write them in for press. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> literally, we need them at the helm of this country. <laughs> Sorry to volunteer you, Molly. <laughs> You're like, no, please, yeah. no. <laughs> They're like, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 we didn't talk no, about no, no. this. Yeah, actually, don't put me down for press. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm just so happy we got to talk to them. Yes, same. Everyone, go listen to Gender Reveal. Please. Just fan out over Molly, because we, sh- we sure are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're not subtle. No, we're not. <laughs> so incredible. You will learn so much on this podcast, and I really hope you all listen to it. Yeah. Anyway, before we say goodbye, you know we have to do something that we just love to do, which is stroke our ego. Stroke our ego. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to get us started. I'll start the stroking, okay? Yes. So this Apple iTunes review comes from Love 8 Smiles, not 7, but 8 Smiles. (laughs) And they say, yes, queen! Five stars. I loved every second. I enjoyed that. There was so much fun, but also serious topics. You two made me laugh and cry and all, and it was all fabulous. I've now subscribed and cannot wait for what's next. Keep up with the great work and talking about topics we all want and need to hear. Mwah! So thank you so much, Love 8 Smiles. Oh, well, that's it's funny because the my uh, stroke Ooh. is kind of in the similar vein. This comes from Instagram. It's from Brost Co. Um, it says, keep up your podcast. It's really good and a lot of truth. You got the right heart and the positive message people need to embrace. And then the next message after it goes, and it's funny too. Well, thank you. <laughs> We're at least getting a few I things know, right. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you, Brosco. Thanks, Brosco. Slide into our DMs. Let us know what that name means. Yeah, Brosco. Like, yeah, Brosco. Brosco. Yes. I got nothing. Bro. Brosco. All right. Well, <laughs> we just, we just <laughs> say it slowly. Note, yeah. yeah. Like, let's wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, we uh, we love all of you. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, leave some iTunes reviews for us. Go rate us. That helps us help you. And of course check out your gay prez molly woodstock on gender reveal an amazing podcast so good on that note our querios see you next week make your choices Bye. bye